On today's pod, we talk about fishing. And I realized, one, if Jesus is Lord, I cannot say no to him. And if I keep running in this direction, there's a day that I may wake up in the belly of a big fish. I ask a good question. That's a wonderful question. And our guest drops some knowledge. Our best theologians should be our best church planters, and our best church planters should be our best theologians. This episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, providing the business management and technology expertise your church needs. Find out more at auxilio.partners/5points. Welcome to another episode of the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. I'm joined by Josh Kynes, planting in Lafayette, Louisiana, and Reed Kelly, who is the all-star that runs this show, and we're thankful for him. Our guest this morning is J.D. Payne. He is a professor of Christian ministry at Sanford University, a noted author and a church planting expert, and we are glad that he is able to be with us. We're looking forward to hearing, hearing from him today and Hopefully what he will have to share with us will be an encouragement to the heart and to the soul. And we'll all leave this episode excited about church multiplication. JD, thank you for being with us. Well, thank you, Hunter, Josh, and Reed for having me uh, with you guys. I certainly uh, appreciate uh, you all in your ministry and it's a delight to be with you. So one of the things that we do when we first uh, interview people is we want to know about their background. We want to know about their calling to their ministry and in particular, uh, excuse me, their calling to ministry and their interest in church multiplication. If you would um, just enlighten us about all of those things today. Um, absolutely. So, so my, my backstory is, is different from, from a lot of folks in that I, I had no desire whatsoever uh, early in my walk with the Lord and then early in my minute, my vocational ministry uh, work to, to be involved or really to do anything with church planting, church multiplication. We wouldn't be having this conversation if it had not been for uh, a summer course called Introduction to Church Planting that was taught by a guy named Charles Brock, who had been a missionary in the Philippines for about 20 years. Um, if it had not been for me needing a three-hour evangelism elective to graduate on time, according to my schedule, um, uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't even be you know on this uh, show today. Uh, I grew up in southeastern Kentucky. I came to faith when I was uh, fourteen, and um, when I was seventeen, since the Lord was leading me into vocational ministry, and I ran from that. I did not want anything to do with that at all. I knew that it was a calling to pastoral ministry. And, um, and I came up with all these alternative plans for God. I had, I had, you know, God, I could do all this for you and, you know, and still reach the world. And, and it was as if the Lord was just impressing upon me, uh, those aren't bad, but that's not what I want you to do. The more I ran from God, the heavier his hand was upon my heart. And he was just pushing me farther and farther down into the ground. And I realized one, if Jesus is Lord, I cannot say no to him. And if I keep running in this direction, there's a day that I may wake up in the belly of a big fish. 
So I remember repenting of that sin and, uh, and immediately, immediately the, the heavy little finger of the Holy Spirit was just lifted off of my shoulders and just this sense of joy and peace with uncertainty of what that was going to look like in the future just, just flooded my soul. So I began to make plans to move in the direction of pastoral ministry, and I've, and I've spent 19 years uh, pastoring churches in Kentucky and Indiana and um, Alabama. Um, went on to um, the University of Kentucky, where I graduated, and then um, that summer started pastoring a church in Winchester, Kentucky, and uh, that fall started uh, attending Southern Seminary, working on my Master of Divinity degree. And I was making plans to get out as quickly as I could so I could start doctoral studies. And I had heard about church planting, church multiplication. At that time, we weren't really calling it church multiplication. Uh, still, the language is, was church planting. And I'd heard about it, but it wasn't a big concern of mine. My thought was, let's just, you know, take one congregation, grow it larger and larger and larger, you know, you know to infinity and beyond, if you will. But I needed this three-hour evangelism elective to graduate on time. I had no idea who the professor was that would be teaching the class. I went to one of my professors. I said, this guy that's coming in from somewhere in um, uh, Missouri that's going to teach this class called Introduction to Church Planting that would suffice for an evangelism elective. Who is this guy? And my professor said, I, 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 he said, he's a great guy. He said, I think you'll like him. His name's Charles Brock. Well, halfway through that class, it was a two-week class in June, halfway through that class, uh, it was as if the Lord just spun me in a completely different direction. He shifted my thinking on ecclesiology. He shifted my thinking on um, disciple-making and accountability, seeing people not only come to faith, but grow in the faith and become fruit-bearing disciples in local churches. He shifted my thinking in the, the significance of church planting, all the harvest, and just completely set me on, on a, a different trajectory. And, um, and that really is how it all started. Um, again, I have been a pastor over uh, all these years, uh, but I have been involved in training, equipping, sending a lot of church planting teams over the years as well. But in my heart of hearts, you know, my, my calling is pastor teacher in the Ephesians 4, 11, 12 kind of idea. Uh, but I, I'm hoping that I'm thinking apostolically in, in what I'm doing. Yeah, JD, um, Josh Kynes uh, here did want to, uh, you know, as you, as you think about the position that you're, you're in educating and, and training the next generation of church planners and, and pastors, we, we'd love to hear from you. We know you've done some writing in this area. Um, just love to, to hear from you and what you find uh, encouraging uh, regarding church planning in North America right now. And then what are some things that you find uh, concerning uh, currently that's going on in church planning in the, in the U.S. right now? Well, one of the things that, that's encouraging is that we're we're continuing to ride a wave in North America of interest in church planting. I mean, back in back in the time when I was just telling you when I was that MDiv student, um, the wave was just slowly, slowly growing, and it, it had not become, if I can use the expression, cool. You know, if if you're involved in church planting, it's because no established church will hire you. Um, if you're involved in church planting, it's because you're you're a rebel, you're a renegade. Um, and if you go back and you listen to some of the early influencers on church planting in North America, for example, Bob Logan uh, out of um, Southern California and his Church Planners Toolkit, and even Rick Warren to a degree as well there in Southern California, uh, what you find is that there was a time um, whereby if you're considering church planting in North America, it's because all of your other avenues for significant ministry leadership have been exhausted. We are, we're in a time now where that's not the case, and I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about the reality that in 
in the United States and Canada, more and more conversations have been happening over the past, say, 10 years, 10 to 15 years related to um, reaching and planting churches among the unreached people groups that have migrated from majority world countries to the United States and Canada. So the United States is home to the third largest number of unreached people groups in the world. Canada is number six. And most people do not do not know that information. And so seeing more and more people involved in, in wanting to plant churches among those groups, that's encouraging as well. So, so those two things are really, really encouraging to me. There's that, that interest. There, there are a lot of folks that are going out planting and pastoring churches. There are a lot of established churches that are getting involved. They're putting resources into uh, church planting work, people resources, financial resources. There are established churches that are coming alongside of, of teams to help them along the journey. So those things are really exciting. Um, you asked me about some of the concerning things. Well, the one thing that that really concerns me the most, and that is um, the issue of of the primary model out of which we do church planting, and that is we we primarily operate from a plant and pastor definition of church planting in North America. Now, keep in mind. Um, that's who I am. You know, that's my background. I'm not the apostolic type. I'm not the, the apostle Paul type. I'm not, I don't consider myself a missionary. Um, but when I look at the New Testament, what I see is that our primary understanding of, of church planting needs to come more out of that apostolic paradigm, kind of like what we see in Acts chapter 12 and 13 on Paul's first missionary journey and some, some other texts as well. But for the most part within the United States, that is a foreign concept. That is something that is from another planet. Um, it's okay if you're going to use an apostolic paradigm in another country, in majority world context, maybe I should say that, but, um, but not in a place like Canada or the United States. And I would say um, that is a concern. And so even though that's not who I am, I think we need to begin to move more and more in that direction of an apostolic approach in our backyard. How would you define that for, for those who may not know exactly what you mean by an apostolic approach? What, how would you define that? Well, whenever we look at the New Testament, well, let me, let me, let me say what it is, what it's not first. First of all, I'm not talking about a particular denomination, like the apostolic you know, denomination, right. if you will. Sure. Um, I'm not talking about um, people being uh, in the church today that are on the level of the 12 or Paul or maybe, you know, James, brother of Jesus. Um, so I'm not talking about that concept. But what I'm talking about is thinking about apostolic as an adjective. And that is, you know, when you look at the first century church, what you see is, I believe, uh, an imagination, an apostolic imagination that uh, was a spirit-transformed uh, mindset that really helped facilitate urgent and widespread gospel proclamation, gospel disciple-making, church planting, leadership development. And it really established a mental framework related to the strategy of what the church was doing in the first century. And so, when I talk about that today, I talk about out of that imagination comes forth an approach. For example, I mentioned Paul's first missionary journey just a second ago, comes an approach whereby the apostolic team goes into a community, they're sent into a community, a church, you know, you know they're sent, they're commissioned sent, and they go into community and they're not even talking about church until they talk about disciples, followers of Jesus. And they're not even talking about disciples until they've been sharing the gospel, seeing people you know, repent toward God and place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul would say in Acts 20, 21. Uh, in other words, the, the churches were birthed out of the harvest. The disciples came out of the harvest. So the, the primary approach of what we're doing today, and again, I'm not, I'm not 
I'm not saying I'm not anti this. I think there's a place for for what we're doing today. And that, and again, too, I have been and I've trained a lot of people in that approach. But the primary approach of what we're doing today is that we we actually start at a point that is actually the termination point for the apostolic approach. So in the apostolic approach, evangelism is done first. Disciples are made. They're taught to obey all that Christ commanded. Churches are identified out of those disciples. They self-identify as a church in Colossae, Derby, Lister, Iconium, wherever. And then out of that, uh, elders are appointed. And so the leadership comes out of the new churches that has recently come out of the harvest. What we do today is we start at the opposite. We start by saying, let's find a pastor and let's get that pastor to gather together long-term kingdom citizens Mm -hmm. to identify as a local church in a context to then be missional. Mm -hmm. So it's just the opposite. Mm-hmm, right. of what we what we see in the New Testament. And I would say, I think there's a place for planting and pastoring, but where, whereby um, across denominations, including my own denominational tradition, um, when we are doing that as almost 100% of what we're doing, I would just ask the question, you know, why does the Bible paint a different per- perspective? It ties into a lot of things. It ties into how the conversations about bivocational vi- planning, and it also ties into how, you know, why do we not, you know, why do churches automatically default to, we have to find the planter and send him and not think through the paradigm of finding the people and sending them. And that's right. You know, that's, um, that's a good word. Um, well, I think part of it reveals, reveals a missiology that is, is very shallow. And it mm-hmm. comes out, it comes a, a long history uh, in Protestant work. This is not, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't get here overnight. We've been right. here for a long, long period of time. Um, but as you think about missions, if I can use that classic language, missions is always overseas. Mm-hmm. And I'll yeah. put that in parentheses. Right. It's not in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And in my backyard, what do you have? Well, you have the United States and Canada. They're Christian nations. Right. So the shadow of the steeple, though it's getting shorter and shorter as time moves on, the shadow of the steeple has been here for a long time. It's had a lot of influence. I mean, even, you know, European settlers, when they arrived, I mean, they came planting instant churches. Right. You know, your, yeah. your church was on the boat last, last right. Sunday. Yeah. Right. Last Sunday we were in Europe. Today we're now yeah. on the shores of, of the new world, so to speak. And so there was not a lot of contextualization. Um, even when you begin to look at like David Brainerd and others um, that were going to work among native populations, um, they were still very much using a, 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 col- a colonialization model. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't so contextualized in what they were doing. And, um, and so I would say we, we, we have primarily and continue to primarily operate from, from really a pastoral perspective or what mm-hmm. I call pastoral hegemony. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is everything we do, even our evangelistic work and our church planting mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Is filtered through a set of pastoral lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, you know, this is a long, long um, tradition with us in North America. Yeah. Dr. Payne, as you, um, as you, as you, th- as an educator, uh, thinking through through this, and as you're kind of helping to influence church planners, what, how do you, what are some ways that you you think, uh, what's the way, what what are things you think we could go about doing at the at the seminary level, at the educational level, that would better prepare pastors to to go in with a clearer perspective, a clearer understanding of this apostolic kind of pursuit of mission in our local context. Yeah, um, you know, in in my book, Apostolic Imagination, that that just came out 
uh, just a few weeks ago, the, the entire conclusion of the book is written, is, is my word to pastors. Um, again, my background, my primary ministry involvement, it operates out of that pastoral approach. I'm, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that missionary type. I don't consider myself a church planter, even though I've worked on church planting teams, I've served with them, and I, I'm a strong, strong advocate for church planters using a variety of different models. But pastors need, and here's the point I try to make in that conclusion, pastors need to remain in their calling. I'll talk to a lot of church planners, or excuse me, I'll talk to a lot of pastors, and they'll hear me talk about some of these things, and they'll, they'll come to some of my church planning trainings, and they'll say, um, so basically what I need to do is I need to resign from my established church, and I just need to go out and form a church planning team. Most pastors, I would I will say, do not need to do that and should not do that. Now, I think there, there are some that that need to. Some guys need to be planting and pastoring. Um, so I mean, I mean, so I think you know what Josh is doing, I think is is wonderful, and and, and more and more uh, people need to do that. Um, but but for the most part, pastors need to remain pastors, and they need to begin to think apostolically while functioning pastorally. So they need to have a vision for the nations around them, both across the street, across the continent, throughout the world. And they need to have, uh, they need to have an ecclesiology that is radically biblical, but recognizing that they need to teach their people that some of the cultural preferences that we do as church may not necessarily be helpful in translating that to, uh, to the field, if I can use the expression of the field. And so pastors need to remain who they are. They need to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that involves equipping those apostolic teams to be sent out. But because those teams in an apostolic sense aren't going out to plant and pastor, they're going to be scaffolds, so to speak, uh, that will be there for a season and will work to raise up elders out of the people like we see in um, you know, First Corinthians or uh, Acts chapter 14 and um, uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 5. Um, because of that, pastors have got to recognize that some of the work that their members are going to be doing, they don't need to always be wearing the pastor lenses when they're training and equipping them. But because we've been taught, and there's that expectation over centuries, that everything primarily has to be filtered through a pastoral mentality and approach to our work, including our church planting, um, we don't know of anything that's different. Right. Yeah. So, J.D., I first discovered you when I read Discovering Church Planning, the What's Wise and How's of Global Church Planning. Oh, that book will help you sleep at night. That'll, that'll put you sleep. <laughs> well, I had to I had to read it for a course. I can't remember which one, but that's, that's, that's how I came across you. And you've already mentioned um, a new book, but you've had two new works come out in the last month. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a bit about those? And for our listeners, if you'll pay attention to our Facebook page, we're going to be giving away some of those uh, we're going to be giving away those books here in the near future. Um, so, so the two books that you mentioned uh, that just recently came out, my two most recent works are uh, Apostolic Imagination, which I which I just mentioned, um, and that book is on recovering a biblical vision for the church's mission today. It's it is it is really calling for a paradigm shift. It is it is calling for. Um, a shift in the way that we, th- and it's calling for basically a lot of the things we've already been talking about, you know, in this episode, it's calling for a shift in the way that we think about um, some of the cultural things that we hold on to, not, not changing, obviously, you know, the, the prescriptions of scripture, um, but recognizing that, in, that, that, that oftentimes we, we need to shift some of the things that we think are 
biblical, but maybe they're just culturally preferred expressions. And sometimes those are great, and sometimes they're wonderful, but sometimes they actually hinder the dissemination of the gospel across a people group or across a population segment, and sometimes they hinder um, the sanctification of people and churches. So, so apostolic imagination, it's been a long time coming. I've been wanting to write this for longer than any other book that I've ever written. Um, but in this book, I'm, I'm basically asking us to go back to the scriptures and rethink the language of mission. Um, so the way the terms that we use, missionary, missions, uh, missional, where, where do those come from? We don't find those in the Bible. Uh, I'm asking us to rethink things like what is, what is missionary identity? Where do we even how do we come up with that concept? Who's a missionary? Is everyone a missionary? Um, you know, some people say everyone's a missionary. Some people say, no, not everyone's a missionary. So even missionary identity, uh, priority. So among evangelicals right now throughout the world, you know, if you talk about any kind of prioritization that the church is to engage in something at a higher level of intensity and significance than other areas of ministry, you're in many, many cases, you're seen as, as a minority view. Um, so in, you know, in a, in a room, of all the different activities that the church could be engaging in, um, you have you have uh, evangelism and church planting uh, in the same room as as social ministry. You have um, uh, justice ministry in the same room as creation care. So all these different ministries, they're they're all seen as equivalent, and there's no there's to be no priority. Um, I think we need to reimagine our functions. What are the functions, the primary functions that we see biblically among those that are being sent? Uh, we need to rethink location where we're going, uh, among whom we're going. I think we need to re rethink our strategies uh, in light of what the scriptures lay out um, in significant ways. You know, Paul talks about not wanting to build on another person's foundation, but oftentimes when it comes to church planting, we, we do the exact opposite. We go and we try to find people who have already had that foundation established, and we shuffle sheep around in the kingdom and, you know, create another flavor in the Baskin Robbins of Christianity and call it church in North America. Um, and then I think we need to rethink the West. So is the West a mission field? Well, if it's a mission field, it looks a lot different than our traditional understanding of how we define mission field. And what's the place of the church in the West when it comes to the growth of the majority world church? So all that is in abstract imagination. Theology of mission, you know, I can kind of summarize that very quickly. It is just a, a, a concise biblical theology uh, of, of the mission of God. I start in Genesis and go through Revelation and, and just unpack uh, God's mission in, and I use in the Old Testament, I use the Tanakh structure. So we look at Torah, we look at the prophets, we look at the writings, and what is the mission of God in those three sections of the Old Testament? And then in the New Testament, I, I just walk through what we're most familiar with, with uh, the Gospels and Acts and the Pauline epistles, general epistles, and then, then Revelation. And, and begin to say, all right, what's God's mission? And then at the end, let's think practically about this. So um, so those are the two books that uh, came out uh, about the same time, had twins at about the same time. Same publisher? No, um, Apostolic Imagination is with Baker Academic, and Theology of Mission is with Lexham Press. Dr. Payne, so bouncing off of the idea of the second book that you just mentioned, how does having a robust theology, particularly of missions, either in a pastoral uh, mindset or the apostolic mindset that we've been talking about, uh, how does that robust theology of missions help church planters or people that are involved in church plants uh, today? How can they that help them be more effective in their work? I, that's, a, that's a wonderful question. Um, something that I, I say frequently, and 
and and I don't say this lightly, but I I believe that our best theologians should be our best church planters, and our best church planters should be our best theologians. Um, we we still find ourselves in a time whereby there's almost these two camps, and that is the people that really want to go deep in theology are over here, and they're not very practical. And then there are those over here that want to talk about movement and church planting and reaching people with the gospel and seeing churches planted, but theologically they're not very deep. And and so I would say you know that's that's not what we see in the Apostle Paul. You know that's not what we see in the first century church. And I, I don't think that in the, among the people of God um, there is that dichotomy of between those two worlds. So this book, Theology of Mission, really kind of serves as a foundation for a great deal of what I what I advocate in in my church planning writings and things of that nature. The thing that I think is is important for us to to recognize is that the Bible gives us more than two or three passages that teach us or make the argument, I should say, that make the argument for our global task. In other words, if I, you know, if I go into a room of, of most Christians and I said, hey, or I say, hey, um, you know, give me some Bible passages related to our global task. You know, well, Matthew 28 is going to come up, you know, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, maybe Acts 1-8, be my witnesses, you know, Jerusalem, Judea. And, but beyond that, you know, some people may say, well, you know, there's some parts of the book of Acts, maybe preach the gospel to all nations. But for the most part, most Christians don't think about a whole Bible theology of God's mission. And I would say that that is, that is hindering our work uh, in church planting. And that is, we need to recognize that a great deal, a great deal of what we read about in the book of Acts for the church planting activities um, that the first century church engaged in, a great deal of what they did was because of what they read in the Old Testament. You know, they talk about this all the time. You know, uh, Amos says this about, you know, this particular issue that we're experiencing, or Isaiah says this, and here's why we're doing this, you know, because of what we read in the Torah or, or prophets or even in the writings and Psalms. So I would say um, if we are excluding the Old Testament or if we're only using a few verses to support our missional work in the, in the world today, uh, I would say we're, we're, we're falling short, and that's a very unhealthy situation. Yeah, thank you. There's a lot that you've said that's uh, been challenging to me. I know when I was going through the assessment process, um, you know, in church planting, getting ready to, to plant a, a, a church here in Lafayette, uh, you know, it seems to be what they were finding, what they were communicating, what they were finding with church planters is, is there's kind of a, 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 a just an increasing lack of just training or understanding of or engagement of evangelism in kind of the church planning process. Just wonder if you could speak to how evangelism and church planning really intersect the importance of that and then and how um, guys who have an interest in, in church planting, how they can kind of pursue means of kind of growing in that area. Yeah, um, well, well, my definition of, of biblical church planting, so if we're looking at it from an apostolic perspective, my definition is that, uh, that church planting is the evangelism that results in new churches. So, it, you know, it, you don't even talk about church uh, or pastors yeah. until you've, you've been doing evangelism in the harvest fields and seeing people mm -hmm. come out of the kingdom of darkness, kingdom of life. Um, but, here, but here's the thing. Mo most, most pastors, while they want to you know, heed Paul's admonition to Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. Most pastors are pastors. I mean, they're shepherds and they're calling and their gift mix and their passions and interests and talents and abilities and life experiences and things of that nature. And so oftentimes I feel like we're, we're trying to get pastors to do things 
that they're not really called to do because mm. under this term called church planting, we've created it into something that is more culturally defined than biblically defined. Mm -hmm. And so, so I see a lot of guys struggling uh, in that, um, that, they, they're, that they're trying to do, you know, do a lot of evangelism, but, but there's, there's this, you know, there's this shepherding aspect that they are wrestling with as well. And so, so to try to answer your question, um, I think as leaders, as pastors, we need to set the example in our evangelistic work before our people, even in, even in churches that we have, um, you know, that we've started with long-term kingdom citizens and that we're shepherding. Uh, we need to set the example. We need to set the model. We need to be evangelistic. We need to tell the stories of what we're doing. We need to get up every morning praying for opportunities and looking for those opportunities, being intentional in evangelism. Um, yeah. But we also have to recognize that, um, that there are some ministry contexts that may not be the fit for where I need to be because I'm, I'm primarily a pastor. And so um, sometimes I think we're wanting pastors to do apostolic work and, and we're not making a distinction. And that's a, that's a, that's a recipe for burnout. And I've, I've seen this happen with, with guys that I've, I've worked with partners with partnered with over time whereby there's an expectation for them to do certain things that are really outside of the realm of who they are and how they're called. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not bad. It's just a, it's just a, a fit. That's not, you know, it's kind of putting David in Saul's armor. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for those that are, uh, that are moving in the direction of planning and pastoring, I would, here's what I tell them. Um, you need instant church. You, you need church as soon as you possibly can, can, you know, come together and start shepherding those people and equip them to be involved in evangelism. Now, of course, you set the example, of course, but you're, you're discharging your ministry of being a shepherd to the flock. Mm -hmm. But what I often see is that we put guys in situations whereby we're expecting them to do evangelism, evangelism, evangelism for a long, long, long period of time. And they're not seeing results and they're really burning out. And, and I know, and, and I know that sounds like a pragmatic answer. Well, if they, you know, you've got to see results. I, I, we can go there if you want to, but, but what's the point? The point is, is that I think we're taking people that are, that are called and gifted in certain ways, and we're trying to put them in ministry context. That's not where they need to be. So when I was pastoring, for example, and, and, a, and someone would come to me and they'd say, Hey, JD, I feel like God is leading me to be involved in church planting. The, the first thing I would say, kind of with that apostolic mindset, the first thing I would say is, well, 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 tell me about the unreached people group that you're you know, that you feel the Lord's leading you to. Is he calling you to work among the Somali in the Horn of Africa? Do you think he's leading you to Central Asia? Do you think he's leading you to, to North Africa to work among the Moroccans? And the person would, would sometimes say yes, and we'd move in that direction. But oftentimes the, the, the person would say, well, no, I think the Lord wants me to stay in North America, particularly in the United States. And I would, then I would say, well, so do you think that the Lord is calling you to work among the uh, Somali population in uh, Minneapolis or Seattle? Or do you think the Lord's calling you to work among the Moroccan population in Orlando, Orlando, Florida, or the Afghan population in Southern California? And then they would stop and they would sometimes say, and this is particularly true if, the, if it was a white male, uh, he would often say, well, no, I don't think the Lord has wanted me to be working among an unreached people group like that. Um, but I feel like he's calling me to plant a church. And, and then I would ask the question, well, do you feel like the Lord has called you to be more of a pastor or to be more of that apostolic type? And most, and I know where the course, I know where it's going. You know, I know, I know where, where, where the conversation is going, but I'm trying to lead people on a discovery process as one of their pastors. And the answer most of the time would be, um, I feel that the Lord is calling me to plant and pastor. And so when we get to that point, 
I, I shift gears into a different approach to training and equipping and expectations. So the apostolic approach is now over in a different room. Now we're talking about planting and pastoring. And one of the first things I begin to talk about is the need for that individual to start instant church and to equip those people to be evangelistic in their community. Because if an individual is expected who's a pastor to operate almost 100% outside of his calling and giftedness, that, that is a very, very uh, difficult thing. And I've, I've seen very few church planners over the years that can operate in both a pastoral and an apostolic way for a long period of time and switch back and forth. But I would, I would say that in light of those comments, it's just so important that you, if you're thinking about church planning, if you're a seminary student, if you're a pastor who's wondering if you're called to church planning, that you need someone in your life asking these questions. Yes. Because there are yep. so many people yep. that, that end up on the church planning field that no one has ever asked them the questions that you're asking. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you hear someone come along and they say, well, I feel called to plan a church and people get so excited about it that they just say, you know, great. They pat them on the back. Let's raise support for you and let's send you on your way. But the, these are really significant, important questions that you need to be asking yourself, but you really need to go to other people and, and, <clears throat> and ask, am I called to do this? What are my gift sets? Um, I mean, it's why assessment, like particularly within our denomination, I think is so important, but also yes. JD, I think it's going to books like the ones that you've written and, 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 dissecting yourself through those pages as you consider the calling of the planning. You know, I have, and I've seen the opposite of this. I have seen individuals uh, through their different denominations or non-denominational groups go through assessment uh, and be, be sent out. And, and the expectation is for them to plant and pastor, but they're apostolic. Mm -hmm. And, and that is also, mm -hmm a recipe for, for, for problems because yeah. the individual works at that level for a certain season of time, but, but is already thinking about, you know, phasing, phasing himself out, you know, before he even gets to the field because he wants to raise up leaders to, to shepherd this new congregation. Um, and so there, there again, Paul or David in Saul's armor. And so um, I've seen the opposite to be the case, but I do think the assessments are important. And, and I so much appreciate what you said about get people in your life, to ask you questions, especially people who are already on the field, who've been involved in planting and pastoring churches, or people who are doing an apostolic approach, and and you can read other books on the topic. But yes, don't don't go at this alone. You know this this is a you know this is a body of Christ endeavor, as all life and ministry should be, and and so get out of that lone ranger approach. Yeah, that's all so, so helpful uh, for me. I mean, in my own, you know, my own journey, I, we've, we've spent some time on the mission field. We, we uh, planted a church with Hunter and then spent some time on the mission field and, and really, you know, wish we had some folks to help walk us through um, some of that gifting uh, earlier on. Uh, I'd had some challenges on the mission field, came back and, and really in this endeavor, we've really sought a lot of counsel, a lot of coaching and folks to walk alongside of. And those things have been invaluable to us. The uh, assessment process when valuable to us. So 
Uh, those are uh, excellent words uh, and uh, very, very helpful today. Been very helped by our time together today and it has uh, flown by. So we just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to be a part of the Five Points podcast. Uh, so grateful for your expertise in this field and the work you're doing and helping uh, pastors uh, prepare uh, for that work uh, that the Lord has called them to and, and just thankful for uh, uh, what you've been able to help us with today. Well, thank you, brother. It's been a delight being with you. That's the last word for now. As always, you can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at Five Points Planting or by email at reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.